I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Pablo Vigil. He uh, grew up in the Mora Valley in northern New Mexico. He is a runner, graduated from Adams State, uh, three-time Olympic marathon qualifier, and uh, a bunch more. So thanks for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. And uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. Mucho gusto. <laughs> I appreciate it. So... First question I always ask everybody is, uh, how did you get into running? Uh, well, you know, kind of a normal uh, childhood activities. Uh, I grew up with uh, a lot of uh, siblings. I have two older brothers, a younger brother. And, you know, typical just chasing each other and, and rock fights and all that kind of stuff. And... Uh, and so um, I found out later, early on, that I, I had some kind of talent for running, and I love running. So, and then of course later on, uh, being involved in uh, middle school uh, intramural sports, and uh, then high school, and then university level, and so it's been a long journey. Uh, it's been over fifty-seven years. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And you were a state champion in high school? Uh, I was a state champion in cross country in uh, in Colorado in the fall of 1970. Uh, basically, they had two divisions, bigger schools and smaller schools. So I was state champion for smaller schools in cross, and I was second in the two-mile for smaller schools in the, in the spring of 71. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's pretty awesome. That's uh that's a long time of running. <laughs> it is. I'm a, I'm a slow learner and I I'm a real terco, so anyway, uh I I guess that's part of it, you know. Well, you you talk about running at the the college level and you were there, you were at Adams State, you know, ran under coach V Hill. Um and I mean, it was Adam State, I mean, still is is amazing, but I mean, during the time was just completely dominant. You know, what was that like being there? You know, during that time. Uh well, I started running uh, under Coach V Hill and Coach Larry Jeffries uh, in nineteen in the fall of seventy one, and uh, by then Adam State uh, had a pretty good reputation. Uh, with the, the kind of runners they had recruited in the 60s and the kind of success that they had had. So uh, I was able to um, to run four years, uh, 12 seasons in uh, cross-country, indoor and outdoor track for, for four years. So it, it was an amazing experience because, you know, it uh, you're talking a totally different level of running uh obviously more and more competitive and running against uh runners from from uh, all over the united states but also a lot of inter international runners at the time from all over the world that were attending different universities in in the united states and so there was a huge influx of of uh, foreigners africans uh some new zealand runners uh English runners, Irish runners, and so on. So it was a wonderful experience. I mean, uh, and the academics and all. I, I can honestly say, I, I, I loved, I loved the college experience, uh, academically and in running. And Adams State uh, College at the time uh, was a perfect fit for me. And I had a, I got a wonderful education and a great experience. Uh, under Coach Feehill, uh participating in collegiate athletics. And so I got a wonderful base. And so anyway. Well, that's great. I mean, like I said, I mean, it's it's known for <laughs> for running. It's known for developing talent. Um, one of the things I always liked about Adam State 
was just the fact of uh, how many New Mexicans they always kind of brought in and how many of those New Mexicans were Hispanic because that, you know, it was nice, at least when I was growing up, being able to look at some of these schools and look at the people that came out, came before me, who kind of looked like I did. <laughs> right. And uh, I I would, you hit the nail right on the head. It's all, it, uh, <clears throat> it's wonderful having, you know, role models and, and heroes that, that uh, we can relate to uh, that look like us uh, and so on and so on. And so, Adams State historically has been one of those uh, best kept secrets, one of those havens where, whereby uh, Latinos, uh, especially uh, Native Americans, uh, blacks have have uh, gone to and and have had great success. Uh, and uh, I was very lucky that I happened to meet uh, Dr. Joe V Hill. Uh, early on when I was in high school and uh, he uh, I really give him uh, probably most of my my uh, the credit for for him lighting a, a fire under my butt and and recruiting me and uh, and going to Adam State and experience all that and and having the success that I did because he really took me to another level. And uh, uh, thanks to Adam State, thanks to Dr. Joe V. Hill and Dr. Larry Jeffries, and of course, all the runners at Adam State and the community. And it continues being a, a, an, an amazing place for, uh, for uh, your up and coming uh, stars uh, academically and in running. Coach Damon Martin now is the coach. and. He has continued on the tradition that Jovi Hill started and actually, uh, with all respect, has had even, even more success. He is the winningest coach in any division uh, in uh, track and cross country. And so uh, it, it, it's an amazing uh, little place uh, just just across the border, you know? Right. <laughs> so, yeah. No, absolutely. And Coach Martin has done a fantastic job as well. And and again, it's, I, I just, you know, when I look at that roster and I see, you know, they do have some international talent and they've got kids from Colorado, but they've always got, they've always had, you know, a, a group of, of New Mexicans and, and that's no different now as well. Uh, amen to that. And uh, once again, historically, you know, they, uh, uh they had the first uh first uh, uh olympic trials in the marathon ever were in, in alamosa in 1968 and uh uh what uh fairly recently they celebrated the 50th anniversary of the first olympic trials held in alamosa for the marathon and uh of course uh, you had a lot of the the people that were there originally came to it, like Frank Shorter, uh, Billy Mills, uh, Steve Gauchipan, and uh, Kenny Moore, uh, George Young that you've had on your show, and, right. and so on and so on. So Alamosa has attracted amazing talent to come there, either to train there or or be a part of the running program. In the 60s, Coach V. Hill was able to manage, uh, was able to recruit uh, uh, three or four top Finnish runners, Yuha uh, Batanya, and I can't remember the other ones, but they were all badass Finnish runners back in the in the 60s. One of them, I think Yuha, was the Olympic 10,000 meter champion. And they ran for Adam State for a while. And then uh, over the years, you've had people like Juma Ikanga, winner of uh, New York City Marathon training there. Jelindo Bordin, the, the, the gold medalist in Seoul Marathon, uh, trained there. And uh, Dina Castor, Pat Porter, and uh, Frank Shorter. And it, the list just goes and goes and goes. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. 
So when you uh when you finished up at Adam State, what what uh kept you on that journey to try to figure out, you know, how good you could be and in, in getting into marathons and everything? Uh yeah. I love telling this story because you know, I uh I've been very blessed that uh I grew up in, in this uh rural setting there in the Mora Valley in in New Mexico. And uh, very humble beginnings, you know, grew up in an adobe house and so on and so on. And uh, but and then hooked up with Dr. Joe V. Hill and I was able to uh, to get uh, my first degree was in anthropology from Adams. And then in the spring of 1975, we went to an all comers meet uh, in uh, Boulder, Colorado. It was a CU Relays. And they had an open 5,000. And uh, I heard that uh, the gold medalist in the marathon in 72, Frank Shorter, was, was signed up for the, for the 5,000. So I got really excited. And I, and I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to show this uh, gold medalist, Frank Shorter, what real altitude running is all about. You know, I'm, <laughs> basically, I was thinking, I'm going to go kick his ass, you know. <laughs> and so... Uh, uh, it kind of all backfired on me. It did backfire on me. <laughs> I took him out in the first quarter uh, of the 5,000 in Boulder at altitude in 61. Oh. Uh, had we kept at that pace, of course, I was, we would have had a world record, let alone at, at altitude. And so after the first quarter, I, I looked out of the corner of, me, of my eye and Frank Shorter is like right there. And I was thinking, oh man, I'm in trouble. You know? <laughs> so we came through the 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 half in like 203 or something like that, maybe 204. And he's still right there. And I am starting to die. And he goes around me, and that 5K turned into a marathon. <laughs> I, I staggered in second place, and of course, Frank won. And and after the race, uh, we're warming down, and and Frank uh, says to me, "Do you always start that fast?" <laughs> I felt like such a fool. And then uh, then he asked me, "Well, what do you plan to do after uh, after you graduate?" Uh, and I said, "Well, I really would love to continue running and to see how far I can get." And, and he says to me, he "says Pablo, why don't you move to Boulder and train with me?" And wow. my jaw hit the floor, and I said, what the hell? Are you kidding? This guy with an Olympic uh, gold medal in the marathon is inviting little Pablito to move to Boulder and train with him? Uh, I knew in my heart of hearts I was moving to Boulder. And on May 24th, uh, like 10, 11 in the morning, I graduated from Adam State. Twelve hours later, I was living in Boulder. The next day, I, I went up to Frank's house. I knock on his door. He answers the door, and he says, Pablo. And I said, Frank, I moved to Boulder to train with you. And I can honestly tell you that was one of those life-changing moments, uh, training with Frank Shorter in Boulder. And there were other runners, too. Gary Bjorkland, one of my roommates, who also made the Olympic team later on in the 10,000. Rick Rojas. And the list goes and goes. Uh, so we had an incredible synergy in Boulder, and we were all just helping each other out, drawing from each other. And in, in a couple of years there, I made the world cross-country team in, in uh, cross-country, and I was running my fastest times ever. And I, I went on to run a 215 marathon, and then later on I went on to um, – to be the the top mountain runner in the world for for many years, and and I think it all had to do with the kind of people that I met along the way. Uh, I had some 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 pretty good coaches in high school. They didn't really know what the hell they were doing, but they <laughs> they knew how to inspire you, and they meant well. And I looked up to him, and then of course Joe V Hill was the 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 huge impetus, and then Frank right. Shorter, and then. Gary Bjorklin and training with Rick Rojas and people like that that I met and then 
traveling around the world and making the world cross and 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 it just got it snowballed so i guess the moral of the story is if you want to you want to be good at something uh synergize with those kind of people that will that will hold you accountable and that will make you a better runner a better artist a better writer a better painter dancer whatever it may be it's it's really a magical experience and it really works yeah yeah i mean i it's uh i agree with that you know i know when i'm talking to other people that share running passion or or with teaching that you know people who get you excited just help build you up and, and get you in a position where it's just a lot more fun and enjoyable um so i i yeah i completely agree with you on that um it is a uh amazing you know just just i can't imagine what what it must have felt like to get that invitation from frank frank shorter and then to to show up and and be able to to do that like it just i know you said it was pretty amazing but i just i can't even fathom that <laughs> well you know it uh yeah a lot of times you know I, i've learned in life that some things will never obviously be replicated or you will not get a second chance so when frank asked me once again i knew that i i was i was going to get the hell out of alamosa and and i was going to reinvent myself in boulder was training with frank and uh, i had a degree in anthropology that that you know we know about those ology degrees you pretty much have to go back to school and and right. and, and 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 patch things up with with a marketable uh uh masters or whatever and, and which i was able to do later on but in boulder i was uh i had uh usually two part-time crappy jobs that, that were flexible and, and made enough money to allow me to to uh train and 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 fly around the country around the world and come back and my shitty crappy job was there waiting for me <laughs> but but you know that's what we do you know you have to sacrifice and and i uh i would do it all over again if i if, if i had to and and those were some of the greatest times in my life was training and, and and being around people like that and and you know taking advantage of of uh that time in your life when you don't really have any any responsibilities with with uh a wife or, or you know a marriage uh children a serious job and and so um you have a block of time that you you have to you're either uh gonna waste it or you're gonna try to milk it as much as you can and i was very blessed that that i i learned early on that man i love i love what i'm doing i love training with these guys i'm as poor as a rat <laughs> i'm living in a trailer with 13 14 other smelly runners but they are so badass cool and and out of that trailer we had the four or five people that qualified for the olympic trials uh one of them gary bjorkland made the olympic team in the 10000 and then we had frank shorter in uh, uh in boulder and other people that that qualified for for the olympic trials and then of course frank technically won the gold again in montreal in the marathon and so it was an incredible synergy and if you can find those kind of people uh or a handful of people that that will support you and 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 hold you accountable and love you man you are a blessed you are one blessed person cuz because once again you have that block of time and right. once it's over it's over it's not like uh, Eric Clapton or uh Andre Segovia giving concerts as old people or Picasso painting as an old person you have maybe maybe 5 10 years at the most to to do some serious ass kicking or get your ass kicked and then it's over it is over and your brain tells you no no you can still make a comeback you may but the chances are you know you're you have a mind body conflict going on you know 
Right. So anyway, it's it's pretty amazing that you got to experience that. And I I do kind of want to talk about that, like end of career stuff for sure. But I, I I'm so curious as you know, because now, I, you know, I can go on the Internet, I can see what so many of these people are training at in, in track and cross country and uh, the marathon. But what was training like for you guys, you know, when you got down to that 215 marathon? Well, first of all, 215 marathon was okay. You know, it was uh, uh, people at the at that time were running. Uh, there were a couple of 208 people, uh, 210, 212. I was 215. Uh, but the gist of the training was uh, we were running uh, – intervals tuesday thursday probably no more than four miles um maybe at the most five miles worth of just ass kicking intervals uh with the last half for sure your guts were dragging and and then we had the typical long two two and a half hour run on sunday and uh the rest of the week we were basically just jog resting and, and the thing that i want to want to say with uh with with frank shorter is that being around him uh i he really he really had it down in terms of resting uh getting your rest and 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 doing quality intervals and and, and making sure that the last half or the second half of the intervals were your fastest ever. And Frank always used to say, you know, it's the person who runs the fastest in the end that's going to win the win the race or win the gold. And, and he trained. Uh, I learned, especially that from Frank, that you uh, you simulate, your training should simulate exact, pretty much the way you're, you're what your race is going to go. And of course there will be surprises and this and that. But uh, when Frank rested, when we rested, it was a, almost like a, like a joke, a pathetic rest. We had uh, high school uh, kids. We had junior high kids, housewives training, uh, uh, jogging with us on our easy days. But on our interval days, we could stay with Frank pretty much all of us except for the last third of the intervals. Good luck. It was like <laughs> he would kick in another gear. And we were into high mileage back then, you know, uh, uh, anywhere from 100 to 130 miles a week. Uh, and uh, only wimps really drank water back then. You know, all this, you see all these people always running, carrying water and right. and drinking on this and all that. Uh a lot of the stuff back in the 70s and 80s, there were no gels. There was no special drinks. And and I, I think Gatorade was kind of coming around and this and that. But it was pretty much old-fashioned running. Uh, we, I think we, uh, relatively speaking, we, we had good results. We, uh, But, you know, of course, there's always room for improvement. And now with all the technology and the uh, super doped up, carbon-plated uh, <laughs> shoes and tracks and even athletes, you know, uh, uh, some yeah. athletes, uh, people are running faster, and and that's okay too. But I think relative to our times, we were running just as faster, faster, you know. Yeah, so absolutely. Uh, it, it uh, a lot of things were being were being experimented on. Uh, it was a birth of Nike, and uh, I. I was training, you know, once again, living in Boulder and, and, and training with uh, Bjorklund and, and Frank and Rojas and people like that. And But we always, you never knew in Boulder who would appear. I mean, uh, La Severian would show up for a week. We had Prefontaine coming. Uh, wow. Well, before, before actually, before I got there because, uh, but he had come through Boulder and trained with Frank. We had Bill Bowerman. We had Dellinger. Uh, and then you had all the music scene and then you had all the rock climbers and then you had the, the celestial seasoning, uh, bike race and, 
And it was the place to be uh, at that time. And I was lucky that I was a part of it. But uh, eventually I moved back to Alamosa and kind of I, I tried to start kind of what I learned in Boulder and under Frank and and, and Gary Bjorklund and Rick. And, and uh, so I, I had a couple of followers. I, uh, uh, Pat Porter was in Alamosa and I tried to – try to, uh, you know, work with those guys, but they also had Coach Fiehl. So uh, we we had amazing success in Boulder, but also in Alamosa. And, and those two places continue being the some of the top places in the world to, to, right. to go and train, you know, if you're a runner or um, uh, a climber or a cyclist or uh, whatever. Uh, yeah. Right, right. Um what how did you make the transition from the marathon then into like mountain and and trail running uh actually it was pretty easy because uh basically what i did was uh uh i i kept the the intervals tuesday thursday but instead of being uh i kept it more like more more flexible more more open instead of doing like uh 400s and ladders of 800 meters and kilometers and so on and so on i kept uh i it was all like road uh steady state running on the road farlick on the road uh a lot of hill training uh hill intervals uh and my long run went from basically around two hours to about three out excuse me three hours, uh, more training on dirt. Uh, but at the time, I was living in Alamosa when I had my my best success in mountain running. And to those of you that know Alamosa, it's as flat as a tortilla. But two or three times a week, I would go up to, uh, I would go up to the, to the mountains. I would run up to the side of Mount Blanca up towards uh, to the lakes at around 12,000 and then run back down so i would mix it up and i would do a lot of road racing five ten k's half marathons marathons uh not many marathon not many mountain trail races at the time you either ran cross country in the fall uh some indoor track in the winter spring track in the the spring and road races marathons and some mountain races but the, so the transition was was pretty easy, and I was lucky that I landed in mountain running at the tail end of my my career, pretty much when I was slowing down in in track and so on. But it was a perfect perfect place to be if you as a mountain runner, trail runner, because you didn't need a lot of speed, and you needed more <laughs> endurance and, and 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 so on and so on. But again, most of the uh, all your top mountain run, uh, races, I would say, pretty much were pretty much all of them were in Europe. They were not in this country, with the exception of maybe you had some a uh, couple of great uh, races. Uh, you had Pikes Peak, of course. You had uh, La Luz, uh, Western State, but I never got into the ultras at the time. It was all, um, uh, in fact, Pikes Peak was my first true mountain race that i can say i i trained for specifically to try to run well although i didn't know what the hell i was doing i was <laughs> just out of high school and i you know you talk to people you talk to coaches and most of them didn't know what the hell they were talking about they meant well and, and you maybe there was an article somewhere in track and field news or somewhere uh and you would read about it get inspired about it and then you would kind of attempt to go out and replicate some type of long uh workout in the mountains but uh, pike speak was actually my first true mountain race and i uh that was in the summer of 71 i ended up fourth overall first wow. junior and that was the last year too that and the first time that i had met steve gauchip and and he 
in the same race, I believe that was his sixth or seventh consecutive victory at Pikes Peak. And so uh, New Mexico, uh, once again, you know, they have had great, great uh, Latino, great Native American runners, Steve Gauchipin, Al Waukee, Christian Gary, uh, the the Wings of America and all the talent that they recruit. uh, Yeah. Sean and Dustin Martin and uh, Lionel Ortega and the list goes and goes and goes, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So I was lucky that I ended up in Mount Running once again because by then I was older, I was slower on the track, but it was the right place to be because when I went over to Europe uh, with all the experience that I had gained uh, under track and all the, the, uh, you know, the, I mean, most, I think one mistake that that a lot of mountain runners continue doing is they just focus too much on uh, on on mountain training and this and that. We were lucky that we 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 also had to uh, do a lot of racing on the track, indoor track, uh, miles five, ten thousand, half marathons, marathons, which I believe made me a, a, a better runner in the mountains and on the trails, which also I believe would benefit. Uh, your uh, top mountain runners today. Uh, there is one runner I remember, Jim Walmsley. Oh yeah, he's one of our top runners, and he's currently living in Chamonix, France. And he uh, he had great success on the uh, on the track and so on. Joe Gray, the same thing. Uh, great runner on the track, cross country, and on the in the mountains, and and so on and so on. So. Uh, that's the way it was back then, but but nowadays there's kind of you know as we well know it's just a an explosion of uh, very specialized uh, mountain run uh, races, trail races, ultras, and all the products that go with it, and all the rah rah that goes with it, and all the glitz that goes with it. You know, it's it's another planet, it's another world. You know, and all the drinks and all the yeah. vitamins, and uh, it goes and goes. You know. It wasn't like that when I, you know, back in the day, it was like uh, no specialty drinks, no no trail running shoes per se. We were running with uh, uh, marathon lightweight uh, shoes like the, wow. the, the Nike Waffle Racer, which was a great trail shoe in the sense that it gripped well, but it it, it, it sucked really bad in terms of stability, lateral stability, cushioning and stuff. Uh, but wow. it was the best. The, uh, I had pretty good success with that shoe. So we were dabbling and experimenting a lot with food, drinks, and equipment and and uh, having a great time doing that, you know. Solomon's <laughs> shoes were not invented. The gels right. were not invented. Sunto and Coro's watches and all that, all that stuff that. I think it's great, but it was kept to a minimal uh, because that that's the way it was, and and it was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it sounds like it from you, ta- you know, talking about it, and it's just it's so crazy now because it's you know the shoes are like you talked about the shoes are so different and specialized, and all that cushion you know can can help runners stay in the sport longer, save their legs a little bit. Uh, help with recovery and and then you know you're like you said you're you came into it at the tail end of your career and now we're seeing you know people get into trail running you know in in out of college instead of going to you know trying to run track or marathons they kind of jump into this longer stuff it's it's fascinating uh it's fascinating and it's kind of crazy in a way i I once in a while I'll have a high school kid uh, uh, read something about me or or, or Killian Jornet, the, as we know, the king of the mountains, and they want some advice on this and that. Or and I ask them, "Well, how old are you?" Well, I'm 16, so still in high school. I want to run my first ultra, and and I want to be, you know, diplomatic about uh, how I come across and this and that, but. 
they have no business doing ultras at that age. It's almost like they have to kind of pay their dues with stepping up with distance and age and 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 getting to the, those ultras later on with more experience and age. There are exceptions, though. Killian Jornet, I think, proved, proved every, every, everyone wrong. At 18, he, uh, I believe, or thereabouts, he won UTMB. And uh, there are those rare exceptions, but you have to be very careful how you develop young talent. And I think a good coach, a good mentor and teacher uh, will do just that. Um, so um, now, yeah, you you have all these high-tech shoes, carbon-plated, uh, this and that, and equipment, and... and uh, Right. As we as we know, like Killing Jornet now, he's uh uh he's with normal, his his company and oh, right. but there yeah. are also a lot of new causes that are not just about running, but there are a lot of causes towards uh for example with normal and Killian and and uh Solomon and so on and so on and other companies that are more conscious of of helping the environment and and uh uh, making climate change a, a big part of their of their um, marketability campaigning and so on and so on, which is good instead of just how much can we exploit all these runners out of in, in the environment and and all that stuff. And so right. we have to we have to be responsible for the environment and, and our water and, and everything else. Because uh, uh, the, that's the least we can do as, as the the kind of people that that and the kind of uh, what we represent and and we are all about, you know. Right, right, and I mean, it, in order for the next generation to enjoy those trails and and to be able to enjoy the things that that you enjoy, that you know, when I'm out there running or hiking or whatever, that my kids get to enjoy, you know. Yeah, we've we've got to do our part to take care of it for sure. Amen to that. And uh, luckily, there are a lot of uh, a lot of people that are that are becoming more and more aware and more conscious of the climate change in the environment. And like what you just said, another phenomenon that I think is just amazing is the amount of women that are participating globally. Right. Uh, I'm lucky. I, I I continue milking a dead cow. I travel <laughs> all over the world, and I help with logistics in races in Mexico and Switzerland, and wherever I travel, you know, I I meet all kinds of people from all walks of life. I am I am in awe at just the participants of women in uh, trail running, mountain running, uh, cycling whatever it may be and it's like wow it's just uh I, as as males i think uh uh we can uh we need to be aware of of, of all the positivity that that all of these females are bringing to the and i think historically always have been but you know they've been uh been put behind the scenes and that sort of thing but the, right. women really are the backbone of the world uh in so so many ways uh, my biggest hero was was my mother our mother uh and there was only one saint in my life and it was uh santa aurora and that was our mother and she was just an amazing woman and so i'm all anytime you can get women uh give them a chance to 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 show their their true colors it will have even a greater impact on the world, uh, as has been shown through research in academics and the impact of a village by educating the women and, 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 and so on and so on. So amen to the women, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, you talked about kind of getting into the trail running as you were um, getting older and slower. But what was what was that transition like to um, 
I guess, non-competitive running, you know, making finally, finally hearing your body say, sorry, you can't do this the way you used to anymore. Well, you know, uh, I think especially as, as males, we, we, uh, we tend to struggle as we get older with, we have this mind body uh, conflict daily. Your brain tells your body that you can still do it. Yes. Or vice versa and uh, so i battle this all the time but so what it comes down to is kind of uh uh being very honest and realistic with yourself and compromising you know like now i uh my mind sometimes tells me that i can do it and then i think man what the hell am i thinking <laughs> it's like obviously you know like i i go out and i jog uh, three four times a week 30 minutes to 60 minutes at a time and uh and i look at my my watch and i think i used to jog faster after a marathon <laughs> than what i'm capable of jogging now which is like roughly eight eight and a half minutes per mile and i go this is so pathetic but then i i, I realized wait a second i have been so blessed with this uh, this talent and and this body and and these experiences that uh, that you know I really have nothing to complain or cry about you know you just have to be thankful that 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 uh, we have what we have especially as you get older you know and and uh, so every day uh, is a blessing my 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 children my grandkids are a blessing the the friends that i have what i am able to do i'm pushing 72 and and i travel globally all over and and the projects that fall on my lap like like thanks to you you invited me and reached <laughs> out to me and i'm thinking who in the hell is this guy you know <laughs> and uh so uh, we have to get back you know and, and i think as as older people, the young people are the future, and and we want to encourage them academically and uh, finding a passion and and being uh, uh, support their passion, whatever their passion may be, and, and and continue the positivity in the planet because we know the planet is uh, is a beautiful place, but it is so effed up in so many ways, and it needs a hell of a lot of help. And we owe it to the young people to uh, uh, to do that, kind of like what uh, Dustin Martin and Sean Martin have done with Wings of America, and Absolutely. Bruce Gomez has done with his runners in Taos, and and uh, the Hipwoods in Los Alamos, and and Chris Carroll down in with in Zuni Pueblo, right? And 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 what you're doing with your students academically and and in running or whatever it may be, that's what we owe. That's the least we can do to the next generation is, 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 is you know, uh, do the best that we can to inspire them and, 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 and teach them uh, well, kind of like the song, you know, teach your children well, you know, back in the 60s and so on and so on, and support them and uh, be there for them because, there are a lot of there are a lot of parents and uh that uh need need more work uh, in in uh you know being good parents but thank god there are a lot of great parents out there that are and coaches and inventors and, and teachers and and so on that are doing great things with with the people they work with right so anyway. absolutely and you know you, you you talk about you know being around kids and inspiring them and and doing all of that you, you were an educator for for a while like how did what what took you into education and, and being a teacher uh well you know i uh i'm a firm believer that we are all teachers and we are all students uh some of my borracho friends down in mora some of my doctor friends some of my blue collar friends, whatever that I've learned from every, I, I, I learned from everybody. 
And so I came from a long history of illiterate, uh, illiterate relatives in the Mora Valley. And, and not saying that's, that's bad by any means, but they did not have a lot of opportunities growing up. Or, uh, and so, but uh, to me, having illiterate uh, grandparents, illiterate parents, it was like, and then having uh, our mother who was very supportive of education and being involved and, and doing positive things and helping people and so on, although she, once again, she was illiterate. That was a big inspiration to me into kind of going into a field which ended up education uh, and being a teacher. And and uh, and so I felt growing up in Mora and the way I grew up and then my world travels and then uh, my undergraduate in anthropology and, and my master's later on in education, that I had a lot to offer to especially to... Uh, 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 to students that that didn't grow up with a silver spoon in their mouth, you know, that grew up with a lot of challenges. Right. And so uh, I think as an educator, it is uh, one of the best, well, best places that, that you can be and one of the greatest impacts that you can have, have uh, on the future, which obviously are the young people. And so it worked out very well. I, I, I got my master's in, in education. I, I was a bilingual teacher. And uh, uh, so it, it, it worked out well. And so I'm a big proponent of, of you know, whether you go the traditional route of the, the university or the college, that's, that's good. And, but, you know, it's not for everybody. Right. There are other ways that you can you can educate yourself, read a lot, travel a lot, go to technical schools, uh, find a mentor, whatever, whatever, uh, school of hard knocks. But, you know, don't just be satisfied with uh, there is no finish line. You know, there never is a finish line. So always be a seeker of knowledge and light, you know. And so uh, I'm proud of the profession of educators and so on, although as we well know, we are dealing with a lot of new realities. Yep. Uh, but yep. that, uh, what else is new? I mean, that, that the, the, nothing is constant. People have always been dealing with new realities. And, and so we just kind of, we have to know how to adapt and morph and, and learn from it and, uh, and move on. So anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, being, Having, it's always important to, you know, have, you know, minorities in education. And, and once again, having people that those kids can look at and be like, oh, you look like me. Oh, you grew up like me. And and be able to make that connection. It's, it's just so helpful, you know, at all levels. Everybody likes to be able to look at someone and say like, oh, if I can do that too, because this person did it. Hey, man, hey, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> and, you know, Santa Claus is not going uh, uh, Jesus not, is not always going to have blue eyes and white skin, or Santa Claus is not always going to be, you know, look the way, or all these iconic images that we have. It's, it's good to what you just said, that we have these role models and people in different positions that we can aspire and look up to and uh, and learn from them uh, and, and and share our knowledge, you know? Uh, whether you are an, ed an educated person or an illiterate person, I learned a heck of a lot from my illiterate grandparents and mother and father and and other uh, people along the way, they were some of the most intelligent, wisest people that I ever met in my life. You know, university and books and all that, that's great and, and, and vicarious experiences and knowledge and all that's all great, but it really comes down to kind of basic stuff and knowing those basics 
uh, those, uh, the, you know, hard work, perseverance, and uh, we've heard them all, and, and dedication, and uh, and not being so uh, uh, arrogant that we can't share our knowledge with with whomever we meet around the planet. I work with people in Mexico, in Europe, everywhere I go, and I love I love uh, hearing what people have to offer from different walks of life. Like I said earlier, we're all students and we're all teachers. Uh, and I, we learn and we teach each other along the way. So uh, it's important to have these role models. And I, once again, I was lucky that I had uh, some great teachers growing up. Uh, and some of them happen to be Latino. Uh, and so yeah. on, and, and coaches, and of course, Dr. V. Hill, and later, and, and so on, and so on. So we have to, uh, there's a wealth of, of role models out there. We just have, and a lot of times, they're right under our nose. But we, we think, oh, it's over the mountain. Uh, those people are over there, wherever they may be. They're smarter than us. They're better than us, this and that. And it's that talent right under our nose that that it's just a matter of of tapping into and working with you know and it may be your uncle who never graduated from from junior high or even went to junior high or or the the farmer or your relatives or friends or whatever you know right right absolutely there's there's so much knowledge that isn't just like you said it, it's not just books it's you know the 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 cultural knowledge you know the the stories that you grew up with all leads yeah. to, to all of this and and just um you know it's it's awesome that you were not only a teacher but but bilingual teacher because that's just so important to to that that cultural knowledge to to hear the language and i was also very fortunate that uh when I started traveling a lot to Switzerland uh, for, you know, at the time, the biggest mountain race in the world, Sears and all, which is this summer, which happens to be the 50th anniversary. And uh, when I started uh, going to Sears and all and winning Sears and all, uh, it happens to be in the in Valais, the French speaking uh uh, region and so I, I I started adding my third language and my fourth language by, and it it all came as a result of these world travels and the places I was going to and the kind of people I was rubbing elbows with. Right. Uh, so it it's been a not just a competitive kick ass get your ass kicked type of thing, but just a whole new education. Uh, perception of life and living on a global scale, you know, right? And it all started there in Mora, the, the those humble beginnings, and so dynamite comes in small packages, uh, <laughs> folks. You don't have to think of, of, of these New York City or LA or whatever. That's where all the superstars are. It's all simple, simple ideas, simple folks that that uh, work hard and you know. Uh, and persevered and overcame a lot of obstacles. And, you know, it's no great mystery, no great secrets, you know? Absolutely. And I, that's what I, you know, it just is amazing to me, you know, hearing through some of your story and, and just like, like you said, from the beginning, I mean, people who haven't been to the Mora Valley, I mean, it's, it's there, even now there's still some, some places that are, you know, you're almost surprised that people still live there and to come out of that and and be in this position where you're still traveling the world. Um, you're going back to Sierra's and all for the 50th anniversary or telling me like being able to to experience what you've experienced. And, you know, for you, running was part of that conduit to to get there. Well, uh, once again, you know, Seb, I've been very blessed. And but uh I think uh, a lot of times I struggle with this as uh, I think as Latinos, a lot of times we uh, we underestimate the talent that we 
that we have. We have incredible freaking talent as, yes. as Latinos and, and uh, minorities, blacks, whatever, women that we don't tap into because we, uh, for whatever reason, I think sometimes we struggle with fear of success. Go, go figure, fear of success. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, fear of being better than our brothers and sisters and kind of uh, fear of, uh, uh, I struggle with self-esteem uh, throughout my life and it, uh, uh, coming from a broken home and being a Latino and being dirt poor and all that, all that stuff, you know, but there comes a time where you, where, where, where you can't dig up excuses. You have to say, you know what? It's time to move on, and it's time to to uh, to 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 see how far I can take this talent. And then uh, you may meet your uh, Dr. Joe Vigil. You may meet your your Frank Shorter and and people like that along the way. That 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 you you hang around them. You learn from them, and you go. You know what? Uh, I've had this talent all along. It's just a matter of, of how I work this talent and, and my perspective and what I want to achieve and so on and so on. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'm i very proud that I to be from the Mora Valley and the kind of background that I came up with. I, uh, along the way... Uh, uh, I like to throw out names, not because I, I'm trying to throw out names, but I'm trying to make a point that yeah, you never know who you're going to meet. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, early on. I I, I had uh, I bumped into people like uh, Michael Jordan and his father. Oh wow! And we happened to sit down and and, and just talk. Uh, the poet Allen Ginsberg uh, that you know had a great influence on the Beatles and Bob Dylan and on. Right. Uh, meeting him and talking and and Kesey, the writer, one flew with the cuckoo and people like that. Wow. And you meet him and you realize, you know what? Uh, here you are. You came from humble beginnings, whatever, whatever. And you're meeting these people. It's all part, for whatever reason, I can't explain it, but learn from it, draw from it, and, and try to to get people uh, to realize that it, you don't have to be a, a, a superstar to uh, to 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 have power to motivate people or to do great things. A, a lot of great movements have been caused by simple simple ideas, simple people. Uh, Cesar Chavez, with, you know, with uh, with all the the farm uh, movements right. back in the seventies and so on and so on. Uh, and, and and the list goes and goes, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it, it's uh, it, it's again just amazing, you know, the, the things you've been able and the people you've been around, and you know the one of the things that kind of gets me excited is just even the fact that you know you've gone you've gone through this career. You know you can't do it the same way. You just you you go out every other day and, and get some runs into the best of your ability. Uh, how have you, I guess, managed to continue to still love it after all these years? Well, that's a great question. First of all, I really believe, uh, uh, if you if you are in some into something without the love and the passion. I think you're you have no business being in it. You know, a lot of people think, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Hollywood, for example. I'm gonna be a movie star. I'm gonna be a famous singer. I'm gonna be a doctor. I'm gonna be a writer. But they're not willing to sacrifice uh, uh, all the prep work that is involved to get to 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 uh, to get that dream to come to fruition. You know, there's just kind of a they just talk the talk, you know. You we, we gotta walk the talk sometime or, or other. If we you gotta pay your dues to play the blues or or to, <laughs> to to be the painter or to be the Bob Dylan or the Van Gogh or 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 the whatever writer or or 
whatever you want to be good at, you know, and you have to be accountable. You have to walk that talk. But it does help if you have uh, good uh, mentors along the way that 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 keep your ass in line. It holds you accountable. It may be your mother. It may be your grandmother and say, you know what, Seb, you better straighten up or else I'm going to kick your little, you know what? <laughs> And 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 if if you keep messing around with those borrachos or their druggies, that uh, that's exactly where you're going to end up, you know. And so, uh, it does help. But uh, <clears throat> so I guess to answer your question, I still have a, a great love and passion for running. Uh, although obviously I'm the the turtle in the the snails are passing me along the way, but <laughs> but I say, so what? Go ahead, you know. Yeah, uh, I got nothing to prove. I love doing this, and I love how it makes me feel. And uh, you know, I'm not just going to stop because uh, I'm not good at it anymore, or it's out of fashion. I mean, I've been doing this for before the, even it was fashionable back in the '60s, and people would stop and. And ask you if, you if you were running away from something or if you needed help, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I'm not just going to give up the ghost uh, that quickly, you know. And so I was going to say also uh, a 50th edition, uh, edition coming up this summer is uh, uh, Lasse Viren in Finland is having the 50th anniversary of his hometown race. Uh -huh. In uh, in Mirskla, the vi the village where he's from, and uh, I was very lucky that I got a personal invitation to uh, stay with him and his family this summer, along with Frank Shorter and and wow. and his wife. And so we're we're all going to reunite in Finland after uh, reuniting in Vermont this winter at a a great clinic that we uh, had put on by Vermont Tech and Bob Dunkel, the, who's doing great things there in, in Vermont with the runners and and uh, so on and so on. So we're all going to reunite. So a lot of great things are are happening. And like I say, you know, I, I sometimes I go, holy cow, I'm still milking this dead cow. <laughs> what else awaits me, you know? Yeah. But uh, – <laughs> So when I go to Mora or I go to Finland or wherever the heck I go, I have a great time wherever I go. You know, people is, are sweet and kind, and I—they're—it's uh, wonderful. Yeah. Well, that's amazing, and I think I think that's a great sentiment, to kind of uh, wrap up on. Um, I just—I have one more question that I ask everybody, and and that is, you know, when you're getting ready to maybe get out there for those. 30 minute jogs now um, or, or get on a flight to go visit all these amazing places, you know, what kind of music or, or whatever do you, do you listen to yourself to get you, you know, <clears throat> up and ready to go? Uh, well, first of all, I would say music is my first passion. Uh, I've been playing uh, guitar for uh, longer, probably as long as I have been running. 57 oh, wow. years off and on. Uh, I'm uh, self-taught, uh, but I love playing my guitar and I love learning different genres of music. I love listen, uh, listening to anything from classical to rock to whatever. Uh, so I don't really, um, but there's always, I don't run with music. I, I never did. I, I I think it's it's a bad idea to run with headphones, first of all. You never yeah. know if uh, the ambulance is going to run you over or a dog <laughs> is going to bite you, you know. But uh, there's always music uh, running through my head. There's always uh, – I'm always having uh, conversations with myself. I talk to myself a lot. I I guess I psychoanalyze myself a lot if, if, in a way, but uh, – to me, I love the silence. I love, and that is obviously when we're sleeping and right. when I'm running, and I love that. Uh, so uh, I would also like to say, uh, kind of in closing, that uh, 
to those young people that that uh, are out there, you know, it's like, man, learn as much as you can. Stay in school as long as you can. Uh, do your best to continue after high school uh, by going to some kind of training, technical school, maybe the university or college. Read as much as you can. Travel and, and learn from everybody and be flexible. And uh, you will have success. I mean, you will have success, and and hang around people that are that are that are going to hold you accountable and keep your ass in line, and, and that <laughs> uh, that uh, you can learn from and and teach you positive good things. You know, I think. But also, once again, you know the uh, my borracho friends. I learn a lot from them. You know, my druggy <laughs> friends. I learn a lot from them too. You know, absolutely. So, well, not that I'm not promoting that by any means. Yeah. I'm just saying yeah. <laughs> we're all teachers and we're all students, you know. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time, Pablo. This was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed getting to know you and and hearing about your your life and your running career. Um, is there is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? No, uh, I would like to thank you, Seb, for uh, taking time and and creating this podcast and I like how uh what you're doing with the kids down there in New Mexico and and uh being in, in academics and, and so on and so on. Uh uh you're doing a lot of uh wonderful things and you're you're keeping the passion alive and passing the torch and, and, and once again I think as older people that's what we need to do is inspire the youth to stay in school and find a passion and, and, and get involved, be proactive, uh, get uh, politically involved and fight for those causes that that we believe in. And uh, New Mexico, you know, you have some you know, Secretary of the Interior and, and so on and so on, some wonderful things that are happening in New Mexico and uh, and just keep the ball rolling, man. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.